Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, NASCAR gets ready for its playoffs. IRK gets ready for the holidays. And, well, get ready for a return of Ren and Stimpy. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back for another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or like, share, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to support us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Send us out those Facebook gaming stars. Anything that you can do, it is truly appreciated. Well, it's just me solo for right now. I've got some great interviews lined up. Josh is going to be on assignment for the weekend, but he's coming back, I think, for the Monday show. So that's looking good. So I'll give you a lowdown later on in the show what we're going to be talking about on Monday's program. But we've got a great lineup for today. I've got Zhangwook Shin, CEO of iArcade. Their awesome home arcade units are coming this holiday. We've got Kimo Easterwood and Ron Tessiro, directors of Happy Happy Joy Joy, The Ren and Stimpy Story. That documentary is available now on a ton of video on demand outlets, including Amazon, Voodoo, and more. So you want to go ahead and check that out today. That is Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, the Ren and Stimpy story. So if you're a big fan of them, or if you want to find out more about that awesome cartoon that just was a, such a big hit in the 90s, I'm doing an interview with them to tell you more about that coming up on today's show. And last but not least, I've got Marcus de la Garza, our good friend and also NASCAR expert. He's coming up with a NASCAR playoff preview coming up later in the program. Well, that's enough of me talking right now. I got some great interviews lined up. So right after this, we're going to be coming up first with Zhangwu Shin, CEO of iArcade. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to go ahead and thank everybody for watching us also as well on YouTube and Facebook Live. I want to thank you so much for watching and listening to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you can, you check out our shows on radio worldwide each and every Monday and Friday, also playing seven days a week on those radio stations. And of course, 
We're available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify or wherever you do. We just truly appreciate you listening and checking us out right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I talked to this man at CES and he had a lot of high hopes for what he can introduce into the home arcade marketplace. And in doing so, he is going to make quite an imprint on that because iArcade is coming. I think he's going to tell me that. And I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> going to tell me that. It's coming this holiday to just a, a wide variety of people out there that are looking for a new interest in the home arcade market. And with me today is a good man indeed. I spoke to him earlier this year on one of our most popular interviews so far in 2020 at CES in what seems like it's been now forever because 2020 <laughs> is going on way too long in my opinion with so many things going down. But he is back and I truly am glad to have him here today. It is Zhang Wuxin of iArcade. He's the head man there, the man behind it. And if you want to check out everything that he's doing and he's updating, you can either go each and every Tuesday to his iArcade, that's I-I-R-C-A-D-E, that's iArcade on YouTube, or I-I-R-C-A-D-E, iArcade.com, where you check out all the great things that they're doing there, including all the great units he, yet you may be able to pre-order on if you want, right there for you, starting at just $3.99. It's right there, iArcade.com, and Zhang it's great to have you back on the program. I know there's no ambiance of people walking by us right now, or there's no loud noises, or there's no booths right next to you bringing up a storm, but it's great to have you back on the program. Thank you so much for having me. I do hear the noise in the background. Okay. People screaming, shouting. <laughs> but a lot has changed since you and I had that conversation, and it's for not only the world as well, but for your company and how it's mm. grown the offerings that you made, the deals with the certain uh, publishers as far as games are concerned. And as I show everybody now your site as far as the actual units are available and the successful, highly successful Kickstarter campaign that you have coming off of that, how energized does that make you feel? And how, you know, your entire company, how, you know, how is everybody just feeling after such a successful Kickstarter campaign? Uh, thank you so much. Amazing, actually. Well, there's there's a big reason why, because we didn't start this company for any other reasons other than our passion. Where our game or our company is made out of um, gamers, right? So iArcade is really made by gamers for gamers. And what we really wanted to do was show our passion to develop something that we wanted. And we put a lot of work, hard work uh, into this uh, sleepless nights and things. So when we get when we get it out to to everybody and show them, and when we get, oh my God, this is so awesome. That's the energy that drives us really, and uh, that's one of the reasons why I feel so fortunate that we were able to get such a great reception. And I'm very thankful for everybody, everybody in our family, all our fans. I'm very thankful that um, uh, you're, you're giving us this energy so that we can continue with. The, the great work they were trying to do. And you got to go ahead and check out everything that he's doing today at iircade.com. You can go ahead and check out all the great things that are there, including if you want to go ahead and pre-order all the great units that are there, starting with the bar tops at $3.99, going up to the full stands. Now, I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. it looked like they were, at the time I was there with you at CES, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're about, what, three quarters? height as far as that from a standard arcade machine is that correct or am i uh, uh 
Sure, it's, it's a little bit taller. Uh, right now it's a 61 inches. Okay. So depending on which arcade you look at, we looked at actually over 150 different units to decide our height. Okay. So depending on which unit, right? <laughs> maybe shorter, maybe equal. <laughs> okay. And I remember one of the things, distinct things that you told me was how sturdy they are because mm -hmm. you said you were knocking it over several times. Are you still knocking over IRK units at this point in time? Not intentionally. Okay. <laughs> but I was carrying my unit around everywhere, okay. right, by myself. And while I'm doing this, I'm bumping into this and that. I drop a couple of times and things and still working. Okay. So. All right. And, and I've Surprisingly. Seen, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. All the, the advanced orders that you have through Kickstarter. But again, people, if you want to go ahead and are interested in ordering it, it's available again still. You've got all those units that I'm seeing now on the RRK page. Those units are still available for pre-order. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Whether it's the bar tops, either 64 or 128 mm. gigabytes, you've mm. got the black edition that's modeled after Double Dragon. You've got the Dragon Slayer edition at 599 and you have the stand sold separately at 149 So I mean, if somebody's going ahead and say, I want to go ahead and get a introduction into the home arcade life, you think the iArcade is the best fit for them? Well, I, I'm a little biased, but... <laughs> I knew you were going to uh, say that. <laughs> but I, I actually think so from a gamer perspective, I think it depends on what your needs are, right? Mm. One distinct needs that we are, we're trying to solve, one of them at least anyway, is the fact that if you, if you want new games... You don't have to buy a new cabinet. Uh, simply, all you have to do is download a uh, a game from our game store for a price of maybe a couple cups of coffees. Yes. Uh, right? And then you can get a new game. One of the things that we enable is not only we do we enable you to play your favorite games, but, you know, there are lots of games out there in the world. And there are so many games that we have not tried. And this is one other opportunity where you can try new games that you've never played before because your local arcade didn't have it. Uh, but when you try it, uh, right, you fall in love with it and things like that. So we're trying to provide opportunity for you to play, number one, play your favorite games. And we're going to be continuously getting new games. Uh, so the library will expand. And number two, opportunity for you to try new things. And here... Not only can you play your retro games that you used to play, but we also bring uh, new experiences with modern games that we, we that is trans, trans, transformed into arcade games. And we're finding that those experiences are truly amazing that you really have to try. And that's what I wanted to ask you as well, because in each of the cabinets, whether mm -hmm. it's the barcade or the, the tall units themselves, 11 games will be the standard that's put into each and every one of them, which include notable games like Double Dragon and Dragon Slayer, which I know a lot yes. of people have been looking for, have been asking other competitors about, you know, yeah. I want that game, I want Dragon Slayer, I want Dragon Slayer. <laughs> I've heard that on so many community boards. You're yeah. the one that has it. I know that's a, that's a great gift for you guys. Uh, and also Thank as you. well that Double Dragon, as someone who worked on the film, Long, long time ago. Oh, you did a long, long time ago. Worked for nice. a special effects company that uh, that did it. Although the special effects are absolutely horrible, so I really don't want to say <laughs> I want to brag about that. But I did play, obviously, uh, one, two, and uh, you know, Double Dragon one and two were very, very uh, fun for me at the time when I played them in mm -hmm. our arcade. So I do have fond memories of that as well. But those games are available along with several others. And then, like you said, you mentioned that 
once the customer has the unit in their home, they're able to order from a litany of games that you already have made available and you'll be adding more all the time. Is that correct? From That's if I'm very think correct. $299, you said on average between $299 and $1499, although that would depend, like you said, if you have a modern game that a publisher comes to you and say, hey, Zhang, I want to throw this on your arcade. You're mm-hmm. going to go ahead and, and maybe see some types of, of games that might be a little bit more expensive, but they'll be cutting edge games that will be available for your platform. Absolutely. So we right now have about, we have, we have over 170 games, right? Our yeah. target is to have about 200 games licensed by the time we, we launch. And uh, the pricing discussion happens, decision is made between us and the publisher. And from the, the list of games that we have right now, uh, it looks like the games are between $299 and $1499. I'm not sure now anything can happen in the future, obviously, right? If we bring, I don't know, $60 console title at a cheaper price on, on our product, I don't know. Uh, but uh, for now, at least anyway, it looks right now our games are between $299 and $1499. Because your units you, will have 64 or 128 gigs built into the system. So they'll be able yes. to have, if they want to, the room to pack some of those more modern games. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And if you want, uh, let's say you are playing an RPG. RPG is awesome on an arcade environment, by the way. I played it and it's awesome. And once you finish an RPG, and RPGs are normally the bigger files, uh, typically, you don't go back and play again until mm-hmm. later on, right? So what you can do is delete it from your system so you free up the memory. And later, when you want to play it again, you can re-download for free. Because it'll be under your account, is that correct? Absolutely. You bought it, you own it. Oh, there you go. That's awesome to yeah. hear. Again, and that'll be, like you said, it was already 170 titles already listed out. So many titles that will be available for you to buy. Plus, you're going to be adding some more each and every time out when somebody looks on their app. So expect a lot of more incoming titles after that going forward. But yes, a lot of great titles that are going to be on the IRK app when these units become available each and every time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I've said a lot of the questions that I have except for one, availability. <laughs> sure. And that's the thing. Sure. You recently said in a YouTube meeting that you had you covered a little bit of a snafu, a little bit of a, mm-hmm. you know, a speed bump uh, in the hardware so you decided to go ahead and make the call to delay it a a couple weeks but it's still for people that are pre-ordering or people that have ordered already via the kickstarter they should be getting it sometime in november is that correct Uh, that is our current plan so we consider quality as number one priority right so if there's in order to meet quality we'll, we'll do anything right because that's what we want to deliver and one of the things that we found was a white noise that's coming out of speaker sometimes. And that happened to be a hardware issue. If it was a software issue and that's not really uh, experience impacting, then we could fix it and software update later on. But if it's a hardware issue, we want to make sure that you get the best hardware possible. So uh, we made the fix, the fix is available, but in order for us to be able to print the circuit board and, and things like that, that takes two weeks. So we, we need to, we, we fixed it. Now we're getting it printed. And then once it's available, we're going to retest it, make sure everything's okay. Then we're going to make it happen with manufacturing things. And so it, that's why there was a two-week delay. But it still looks like it's on target for sometime mid-November-ish? <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, um, to, that's to me with, with the two weeks in there. 
Yes, uh, that's our current plan. So uh, the devices currently are supposed to arrive uh, at the docks of uh, Southern California. And then when we get them, then we're going to be fulfilling them as soon as we get them out, uh, into our warehouses. Which leads me into the second question. So let's say yep. mid-November-ish. <laughs> I think that should be right there. Mid-November-ish for, for you know, the this delivery as far as the process of you guys sending it out to right. people would be mid-November-ish. You've also mentioned, or at least Scott, your great PR guy, he got in touch with us and said that Amazon Beta and Touch of Modern will be some of your retail outlets that people can yes. go to after the mm -hmm. fact when everybody hears how great iArcade is. I got to mm -hmm. get me one. I got to get me one for the holidays. That's the question I have. Mm -hmm. Will those retailers have them available for consumers during the holidays Late Novemberish, early Decemberish, almost like you and I when you and I were kids, we'd mm. unwrap that Nintendo sixty four, that or in my case <laughs> the Atari twenty six hundred or Pong, you know, under the Christmas tree. And will somebody be able to go ahead that didn't pre order it be able to go mm. ahead and open it for Christmas uh, and have that type of time frame to go ahead and give it as Christmas gifts? Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yes, that is the current plan. And my fingers are crossed, right? Because. Quality issues just pop up out of nowhere. And right, there's some, like the white, white noise issue, for example, that was completely unexpected that we were able to find a certain scenario. So we don't know what's going to happen, but fingers crossed. Uh, right now we're testing it to death. And so far we're not seeing anything else, but we'll see. If it's something that, again, it's a quality issue that we can suffer update later on, that will, it's not going to impact our day. If it's something, for example, it's like hardware issue that we need to fix now that is really impacting, then We'll have to fix it. We want to make sure we deliver the best quality. So it'll be dependent upon that. But for now, assuming everything's on plan, that that is exactly what we're looking into. But you, and by the way, oh, I was just uh, gonna say, but you do recommend yeah. that people pre-order first, just to make sure that yes. they they're the first ones to get on hand. Absolutely, it'll be cheaper, much cheaper, and it'll be faster. So I okay. would recommend the pre-order. Yes. Okay. And by the way, I'm also a Atari Twenty Six Hundred guy. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I was Pong. I was on Terry 2600. I did get it, you know, Nintendo 64. I've bought consoles throughout the cycle chain, but I remember as a kid mm -hmm. when I, you know, way back when, you know, getting the Atari 2600 and, and Pong and all that, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So I totally agree with you. I used to play their baseball game and Mountain King and those were awesome absolutely absolutely yeah. <laughs> quest <laughs> well once again i'm speaking again to the awesome jean wuxin who i've spoken before <laughs> from ces but he's back again he is the ceo behind iarcade.com if you want to check out everything that he's doing today it is at iarcade iircade.com it is iarcade.com the great units available starting from 399 if you heard them get it the best price right now at iarcade.com but before we head on out, I've got one more question, and you, I think I'm probably get the the answer I got from you before on this. But <laughs> you've got great two player units. Mm -hmm. What about a four? <laughs> great question. Great question. I'll just say, hint, hint, wink, wink. Anything's possible in the future. <laughs> I would imagine that would be the case, indeed. Okay, but it'd be awesome, Doc. <laughs> I'm just saying it just it would be a great because there are a lot of games now that over the course of the years that you know I know that you're looking into as well that are great four player games so mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people will be asking about that indeed so mm -hmm. just appreciate your time once again is oh, thanks for having me oh no worse great to have you on the show Zhang Wuxin CEO of iArcade again 
you can see the entire list of games that they have right now that will be available for purchase anywhere from $2.99 to $14.99 on average available on the iArcade app that you can download onto your phone once you get your unit starting at $3.99 going up to $5.99. You can check it out today at iArcade.com. Yes, it will be available, hopefully, fingers crossed, <laughs> by the end of the year for retail outlets such as Amazon and others. But if you really want to make sure you can get yours by the end of the year as a great holiday gift, you got to go to iArcade.com and pre-order one as soon as possible. Well, Jean, it's been great having you on the show. Any last thoughts to all the fans and listeners out there that are really interested in what you have going for you at iArcade? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So iArcade was developed for you. It was really developed by Gamers for Gamers. And that's what II in our iArcade name stands for. And and in order to make that happen, we're listening to everybody and we're trying to make the develop the device and, and our, the entire experience that is sort of customized is, is customized for you. And we're bringing trying to bring all the games to you uh, that you like and things like that. So, uh, and we are one of the one of the things that IRK is is that we're a community company, and we really want to be completely formed into a one entity with our community. So we're listening to you. Please do have all your amazing comments and ideas and what you want coming. And we're going to be trying very hard to make that happen. So iArcade was born due to a dream that we have. And we want to make this dream together with you. So thank you so much for all your support and everything. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for all the, the love that you sent out to us. I want to let everybody know, again, if you have more questions for Zhang at any point in time, iArcade on YouTube, every Tuesday he's there. He even sings happy birthday. So I want to let you know, <laughs> he gives people shout outs. He, he loves his family, as he calls them, of iArcade fans, plus iArcade fan page on Facebook. And if you hear any crashing in the background, that's just him testing another unit as he told me way back when in january of course well Zhang, it's been great talking to you here on the show and again i look forward to oh absolutely anytime and i look forward to bringing you back on again and hearing more great updates from you right here at the pop culture cosmos thank you very much hey lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. I know a lot of fans out there who like us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos just truly, truly love their history in pop culture, and they have so many memories of what pop culture is all about. And one of those great memories as a younger adult in the early 90s for me was watching every week, any chance I could, The Adventures of Ren and Stimpy. And I'm going to talk today not just about Ren and Stimpy, but I've got a couple of great guests who can really provide more about that and also about the upcoming future for Ren and Stimpy as well, because I've gone on Kimo Easterwood and Ron Cicero, the directors of Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, the Ren and Stimpy story. It's available right now. You can find out all about it at the Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, the Ren and Stimpy story. 
That's available now. That documentary is available on Amazon, iTunes, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft, Google Play, and Fandango. It's everywhere. It's available out now. You got to go ahead and check it out. It's an awesome documentary. It's getting great reviews everywhere. And if you want to know more about basically early 90s pop culture, but also one of the most popular TV events each and every week of that time period, you got to go ahead and check out Happy Happy Joy Joy, the Ren and Stimpy story today, wherever you can get your video on demand. And I'm talking to the two great directors today, Kimo Easterwood and Ron Cicero. And guys, it's just great to have you on the program today. Oh, thank you, man. Great intro. Oh, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. I, again, I, was, I said, alluded to real briefly. I know you guys have been through what they call the car wash already. And I feel like you've done a ton of media because I've seen already a ton of media that you guys have done. I feel like I'm just before you get to the dryers, those last <laughs> drapes that you go through just before you get to the end there. So I, hopefully I'm, I'm going to be one of the better ones that you've had. But I, I will Absolutely. be as a fan of Ren Stimpy. And again, it was one of the most influential and one of the most popular at times adult oriented cartoons of its time. I want to ask you this. I'll start off with you first, Ron. Yeah. I want to know about a little bit more about why you guys had the impetus to go ahead and create it. Were you big fans like me of Ren and Stimpy or was it something even more? Yeah, you may find this shocking, but neither Kimo nor myself were, were fans of the show. And in fact, Kimo growing up in Hawaii never even had seen an episode. It was really through a, a friend of Kimo's. I mean, he's friends with both of us, but um, he's close with Todd White, who's an artist was formerly a designer, a character designer on SpongeBob. He had met John Kay, also known as John Chris Falusi, who is the creator of Ren and Stimpy, along with Lynn Naylor. And he had suggested for a long time that we do a Ren and Stimpy documentary. And it wasn't until uh, a confluence of events that Kimo and I had decided to work together on, on the film. But, um, and it's because we've known each other for 25 years. And we finally were just like, we got to do something together. So after about an hour's worth of research, uh, we decided to jump in. And, and we're certainly glad we did because it's been a fascinating ride, to say the least. It has been for so many people watching your great documentary. And the reason why I say that is because it brings back so many memories. And I'm sure you guys get that all the time, both you and Kimo. Oh, I remember Ren and Stimpy was so great. Brings back so yep. many great memories. Uh, Kimo, I want to ask you this. When people come up to you or they send you the messages of love or they send you that kind of outreach on social media about how this rekindles any of those fond memories, what is it like for you guys? Well, I mean, you know, we all have our favorite shows growing up, you know, and even though that one wasn't one of mine, uh, I get it. You know, I get shows that touched people, you know, and had a huge impact in their life. So, you know, we, we love it. You know, when people come up and they're huge fans and and they they love what we did and we brought, you know, brought it back to, to light to show how amazing this show was, you know, um, I mean, how can you not love that? You know, people are really earnest and sincere and, and uh, you know, we just we just love it. So, um don't ever think that uh, if you see us out in public and you knew that we did this documentary <laughs> that we don't want to talk about it because, you know, we love the fans and they've always been great. So uh, and they're real passionate, you know. So, yeah, we, we love it. Now, I want to ask you this. I know in order to catch you guys up to speed, in order to go ahead and put out a proper documentary, you had to go and relook at everything that mm -hmm. was produced, including the reboot or the, the attempted reboot in the early 2000s as well. 
I mean, looking back upon it now, the time that you did took that it caught to caught up. Did you see what what all the magic of Ren and Stimpy was all about? To or, or at least why people just gained that love for infection for that series, Ron? Yeah, I you know, having never seen it, it, it was a, a real opportunity to look at it with new eyes. And yes, we had the context of like Adult Swim now, but with a little bit of imagination, you can imagine in the early 90s when there really wasn't anything like Beavis and Butthead or again, anything you see on Adult Swim, it, it became even that much more shocking. And, and I don't just mean from like a gross out standpoint, I mean from, holy cow, look at how different this animation looks and the artwork and the music, dialogue, the voice acting, how different it was from what was going on during that time frame, you know, you look at the Scooby-Doo's, et cetera. And even though we, of course, hold those near and dear because they were a part of our childhood, you know, it, from an artistic standpoint, it, it's it, it's impossible to, to not see the difference. This was one of the most popular shows on cable television at the time, if, if I'm, yeah. I'm not mistaken, because it, it had such a high rating, I know, for a lot of people at that point in time. Yes, it did. You know, a lot of people compared it to Nirvana. You know, nobody had ever heard of Nirvana, and then they came on the scene and it blew up. And Ren Stimpy came out at the exact same time, so it was very close to that sort of thing that happened with them. Is um, just this this massive explosion of something brand new that nobody had ever seen before. That's really what people were wanting. You know, um, it was in this lull, as you know from watching documentaries, just this lull of. Not a lot going on. And then these guys just came in and flipped the whole table on its end. And and then that's what you got. That's what you got indeed. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. Once again, I'm speaking to Kimo Easterwood and Ron Cicero, the directors behind Happy Happy Joy Joy, the Red and Stimpy story, which you can get, rent, or buy it today, available on video on demand outlets everywhere. Just check it out. Type in Happy Happy Joy Joy, or you can go ahead to their Facebook page, Happy, happy, joy, joy, the Red and Stimpy story today. And go ahead, like it on Facebook, and you'll get more information on how you can go ahead and order and watch Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. I want to ask you, Ron, real quick, heading back to you, uh, you know, since you caught up on speed and you've seen now what I have appreciated at that point in time, is there any favorite sketch or favorite character that sticks out to you most? I mean, I know people all the time talked about Powder Toast Man, of course, Ren and Stimpy themselves, uh, so many different characters, Mr. Horse. I want to know if there's any that stuck out to you that you know, once you finished viewing uh, so many episodes of Ren and Stimpy. Boy, you know, that's, that's a tough question because, of course, Ren and Stimpy are just so lovable in their own unique way. And so it's, it would be hard to even choose between those two. But I guess, you know... <laughs> Uh, how, how can you not love Powdered Toast Man? So we'll go with that. We'll try to mix it up a little. We'll go with Powdered Toast Man on my side. Okay, fair enough. And I, I remember the voice for that was radio legend Gary Owens, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. I'm just uh, going way back for a lot of people out there. Uh, but I know the the show actually itself. I looked it up earlier today and doing some research, and I'm I noticed a, a very very great amount of of actors and and notable personalities that were actually yeah. part of it as far as the voice cast from Mark Hamill, Randy Quaid, Gilbert Gottfried. So many that I didn't remember. I remember Gilbert Gottfried briefly as far as his voice, but I, I didn't remember all those other great voices in hand. But Kimo, is there a favorite sketch or episode or character that you also have some some fond memories after watching the show? Yeah, um, bear with me. I, I'm trying to escape this music. Um, oh, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm at a casino and literally everywhere you walk, there's just a speaker. <laughs> so the further I walk away, the more speakers I find. So uh, I'm here in Vegas, so I know yeah. of as you speak every single day. But um, yeah, I, I, I will say Snippy's Fan Club, that, that was... To me, the one that really, I guess, hit me the most as far as just how deep the, you know, psychosis was of that one. You know, that 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 show goes really, uh, you really, you know, there's a lot of nuance and a lot of layers to that one. So that one show really was where I was like, wow, these guys are are really different. So that would be my my episode. I'll tell you guys, I don't know how many, when you do these interviews, how many actually tell, can tell you specific sketches or episodes, but I can tell you firsthand for me, as much as I love Powder Toast Man and all the other stuff that they did on the side and all their main stuff they did when they were in space or wh- whether they're in a haunted house or what have you, for me, it's Mad Dog Hoek and Killer Cadogan. I'm sorry for nice. me every single time. <laughs> I even had yeah. a shirt. I even had a shirt of them that I actually wore to such an extent that it became so holy because it was such a poorly made <laughs> shirt that it has so many holes in it. I look like I was an extra on Michael Jackson's Thriller uh, video there. It just, it, you know, it was just so many holes in it. And I just finally had to throw it away about 15 years in, but it was it was such a great uh, experience for me. And I still, to this day, if I watch it, I know I'm going to have tears rolling down my eyes. Just the... Yep. <laughs> and that's that was the thing with them. They, they For me, it brought, as someone who loved his Saturday morning cartoons and his weekday cartoons, but... To me, when I was an early adult in my 20s, watching that brought a whole new experience. Ron, I want to ask you this. You talked yeah. about, before we get into the the creator himself, you know, John and all that, uh, you know, one of the creators, obviously the one that people talk about the most. I want to know the influence of the show, as you guys describe it, because it did have such an influence on adult cartoons that we now have even to this day. Yes. So it it was really unique in that it was one of the first cartoons, certainly on television, that hid a lot of adult humor in, quote, a children's cartoon. And and that's something, too, that we found really pretty incredible. And, and, And much to Vanessa Coffey's credit for standing by the creative team and and really pushing it through, you know, as much as she could, is that it it aired on Nickelodeon. Like it was supposed to be for kids, like five to 10, which I know, was, I know MTV, like, uh, you know, aired some episodes at given points in time, but yet mainly it was yes. Nick and Night deal that, which was kind of shocking. That, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, and they picked it up because what was happening is like Billy West had a story where he's saying, I was walking across the street in New York. I saw this bar was packed. It's 9am on a Sunday. And somebody popped out and he's like, what's going on in there? And he's like, oh, it's a Ren and Stimpy party, dude. And he's like, oh, my God, it's college kids. So that's why MTV picked it up. And they didn't originally um, develop it because 
they weren't spending kind of money that Nick was trying to develop animating programs. So that's why it didn't premiere on MTV. But I'll tell you what, uh, you know, they they got some love from it. Uh, you know, obviously Nick at Night, uh, it, it started a lot of things in, in as far as the creation of the Adult Swim and that whole outlet that it's become. Uh, Kimo, one of the things that, you know, obviously by putting it on Nickelodeon, uh, you know, and it gained the platform that it did, it also... Your documentary touches a lot on uh, the stuff that went on behind the scenes, not only creation of the series and, and, and how it came to be on Nickelodeon, but also uh, the creators themselves, especially uh, John, and I'm going to say this, I say this with a hard C, so I apologize, John Crick Falusi, huh. uh, which I'm sure everybody else says it that way too, but I noticed you said it, Ron, with a soft C, John Crick Falusi. And let's just say, uh, you know, your story does go into detail as far as telling his side of things and, and also obviously what, what went on with him, you know, the constant in battles that were going on behind the scenes. Was that, was that to you guys just as interesting as covering the show itself? You know, you have a lot of personalities, you know, a lot. You got, you, you got, you got basically all the artists in their 20s. And there's some strong personalities. And whenever you put a bunch of strong personalities in a room, in a creative environment, you know, you're going to get some, <laughs> some great stuff that comes out of it. And I'm sure if, if you were in back then as one of these artists, it would have been uh, some trying times as well. But yeah, I mean, the personalities and, and, and the way that they dealt with all that. And then at the same time, they're putting out this amazing product. I mean, of course, it was fascinating. And, it, and it's, uh, it's still to this day, it's fascinating how the show even got done at some point. You know, they would do the cartoon all day long, and then a couple of the guys would break off and start to come up with music for the show. So they would go to the studio, the recording studio, for another three or four hours and work on music. That just wouldn't happen now. So it, it, it just, the, the personalities and, and, and the, the conflicts of how they resolved all that was, uh, you know, of course, very fascinating. And you guys cover that in detail with tremendous interviews that you have, not only of, of you know, the creators and whatnot, but also the, the, the actual voice acting talent themselves and, and some of the great things, uh, you know, the people that were part of it on a, on a day-to-day basis that could see actually all the stuff that was going on. But I know before we go into one of those individuals that you also interviewed during the, the actual documentary itself, the show actually got greenlit for a soft reboot in the early 2000s, I believe for Spike TV. Uh, you also go, uh, Do you, I think if I remember correctly when I watched it, uh, you guys go into detail a little bit about that failed attempt. I, I'm going to say failed because it unfortunately didn't materialize the way it wanted to uh, attempt as well to reboot it at that point in time. Correct, Ron? Yes, that's, that's correct. So it was rebooted. It ran for a limited number of episodes. I don't even know if all six aired. But yes, it was, uh, you know, much of the original crew was not involved in that. I mean, certainly John was. And, you know, it was a, the original series was kind of like this lightning in a bottle. Everybody really balanced each other's personalities out, you know, from the gross out to the more, you know, uh, psychological aspects, psychosis, you know, some of the underlining themes that were missing at times when, you know, when you see, I think, you know, there's so many great episodes, but when you see an episode that doesn't hit a hundred percent, it's a lot of times because it seems like those elements are a little bit out of balance, but man, when they were in balance, uh, you know, it's, there's a reason we're talking about it 30 years later, you know, that those original couple seasons. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, 
and uh, you know, there was pressure to make the show grosser and, and crazier. Yeah. And sometimes when you just force that and that's all you have to work with, you're, you're mm-hmm. going to lose what we say in the documentary. You lose the heart, you know, and you yeah. lose that. You need that balance of heart. Uh, you, it can't just be 100% gross out. It has mm-hmm. to have that heart, you know, so that's kind of what was missing. You talked about capturing lightning in a bottle, uh, Ron, and uh, Kimo, I want to ask this to you as well. They tried to, Viacom did, with a revival on Spike, and unfortunately, I, I, I think I read up that only three of the six aired, but again, I'm sure, it, I think the six is somewhere available somewhere now on home video, DVD, Blu-ray, what have you, yeah. in some format. Right. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. ask, recently, the go-ahead was made by Viacom once again, because they own the mm-hmm. pro- they own the rights to it, that they're going to, as part of reviving Beavis and Butthead and some other things that they're doing, because as they do in Hollywood, you know, and I know that rebooting everything is now on the table for pretty much everything <laughs> at this point in time. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy is going to be rebooted sans John Crickfalusi for, I think, what was it, a 2021 start date possibly, although, you know, at these point in time, it's just tenuous at best, but rebooting Ren and Stimpy for a new audience. And that's something I want to ask you guys first off is Emo. Viacom was able to go ahead and reboot this with the imagining of doing it without John Crickfalusi. Do you think this is the right move for Viacom to do? Do you think it will actually reach the new uh, new audience? You know, because I've got lots of questions when it comes to that part of the story. <laughs> well, you know, you're always going to have the curiosity, right? So the people that love the show, they're, they're going to be curious and they're going to want to tune in to see how it's being made and and if it's funny or not you know um you're i mean you're always going to have that separation between the hardcore fans that grew up with it that are probably going to watch it now and uh, or watch the new version of it and they're not gonna it's just not going to hit hit with them because first of all the nostalgia values gonna be not going to be there anymore for them but i mean you know people ask us this question all the time and 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 i you know i wish them the best of luck on on, on rebooting it i personally don't think it'll probably do that well i mean but then again it may find a whole new audience that knew nothing about the first run and this is just a new show to them so you know best of luck to them but but i think those hardcore fans will probably maybe not gravitate toward it we'll say (laughs) well and that's something i want to ask you too ron is Mm -hmm. you know one of the things if you're they're doing it again without john knowing our culture today than what it was 20 years ago can Ren and Stimpy still be as funny in 2021 as it was in 1991? And can they cross the same lines? Because in our current cancel culture, I think that's going to be hard to do. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, John has an interesting quote in the, in the documentary, and he talks about understanding that what makes these shows great, it's not just the characters, it's the artists behind the characters. So it really comes down to who is going to, you know, be running that engine and can they capture the essence of the characters, but bring them into, like you said, uh, modern day, Um, even if if the subject matter itself isn't referential to current news, etc., that they manage to capture the essence of the heart and the psychosis and and just some some of the silliness you know and, and that's a really hard balance but it just remains to be seen and look if they manage to do that and and capture that spirit i imagine it will be very successful and to chemo's point there'll be a lot of fans new fans that didn't even see the old show or will now go back and watch the old show 
They just know they love this new entity. Once again, before we head on out, I'm talking to Kimo Easterwood and Ron Cicero, the directors of Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, the Renna's Debut story that you can get today everywhere available now, direct on video outlets everywhere. And before we head on out, I want to hear from you guys, why people should check out this awesome documentary. Ron, I'll go with you first. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're interested in entertainment, you're interested in comedy, you're interested in animation, you're interested in social issues, you're interested in psychology of just artists and, and people in general. I mean, this is such a, a huge adventure for Kimo and I. You know, we spent four years on the project and and it really opened our eyes to so many different subjects. And so, you know, our, our goal was always to make a documentary that would satisfy the hardcore fan, but would also find a broader audience to address some of the questions that we see with a whole host of artists, whether it be Michael Jackson or others. So don't think just because it's about Ren and Stimpy that you can't find something there that is interesting or of interest. Yeah, I, I, I echo all that, and, and, and I would say also that there's a bit of a cautionary tale involved. So if you're yeah. an up-and-coming animator, artist, whatever, and you mm -hmm. can kind of see some of the mistakes that were made, maybe learn from them, that'd be great. But yeah, and there's just a, a ton of archival, amazing art that we got that a lot of people haven't seen before, a lot of footage that nobody has seen before from when they first got into L.A. I mean, just some really great stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of work. Like Ron said, it was four years, but sit down for an hour and 40 minutes and, and watch uh, some amazing personalities and some amazing art. I hope people will do that indeed so they can go ahead and get started at anywhere. They can get really pre pretty much rent or buy available today on video on demand, wherever you can get Amazon, iTunes, YouTube, Vudu, Microsoft, Google Play, Fandango. It's all there for you starting at $6.99 just a rent or if you want to buy it's just a little bit more happy happy joy joy the ren and stimpy story you want to check it out today available on demand everywhere guys ron sincero chemo it's just been so great having you on the program i'm Thank hoping you. to bring you back on again at Thank some you. point in time down the line when it's when it's convenient you. for you Good luck on those casinos. Uh, you know, just, uh, <laughs> Thank you. Don't spend too much money gambling. Believe me, I Never. live in here in Vegas. I should, I should know firsthand. But again, guys, it's just been great Thank having you. you on the program, and I look forward to bringing you back right here at the Pop Culture. Thank Cosmos. you. Really appreciate Th it. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you very much. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here with the Pop Culture Cosmos. And, of course, we're also live on Facebook out there for you. Just wanted to go ahead and give you an update on what's going on because for us at Pop Culture Cosmos, we like to give everybody an update on what's going on in the world of NASCAR because NASCAR 
believe it or not, with their truncated schedule, have finally reached their playoff format. And they do have their playoff grid set with the drivers. I'm showing now on Facebook Live right now to everyone out there, starting with Kevin Harvick, all the way down to Matt De Benedento. A quality field. I think there's a little bit of a surprise here and there, but for the most part, it looks like a quality field. Jimmy Johnson, in his final full year of NASCAR racing, unfortunately didn't make the field. I know a lot of people are upset about that, but it does look like a quality field going forward. And here today to talk to me about the NASCAR playoffs is my good friend, it's Marcus De La Garza. Marcus, thanks for coming back on the show, my friend. Playoff time. It's playoffs, baby. I, I'm so excited right now. I just want to say, you know, thank you to you and the Pop Culture Cosmos family for bringing me back again to talk about NASCAR. This is uh, one of my favorite things to talk about. And, it, it, you know, it's just it's a fun time of year for me right now. It is. Um, it is. Uh, it's a great time. I want to ask you this. We head into the playoffs this weekend, starting in Darlington. And before we put our own Darlington stripe on the turn. From almost like as a repeat of our beginning of our talk earlier this year when it came to NASCAR and Kevin Harvick and almost ends with Denny Hamlin. But again, there's still some players involved. But my gosh, man, Kevin Harvick has dominated for most of the season. I want to hear your thoughts on who you think might come into the fray. Yeah, so I took a minute to kind of look back at my notes from last year when we talked about this. And I'm made a push for Keselowski as the dark horse last season to, you know, maybe just show up out of nowhere and, and win the championship. And as much as I want to do that again this year, because I think there's a possibility he does, I'm looking at Cal Bush and believe it or not, Eric Almarola, they're doing a great job on race day of making the in-race adjustments to move up through the field. I think Darlington, Richmond, Bristol, from what I heard on his media uh, center session earlier today, he was pretty positive on his outlook about this. And there is a weird energy that he had to his media session today, and it was uh, it was good. I really felt like that was uh, a very positive energy. William Byron getting warm at there. Not, I'm not going to say hot because I mean Daytona is kind of yeah. luck at the end of the day, right? It is. He's getting warm at the right time, right? So getting warm coming into Darlington, Richmond, Bristol. But honestly, I'm I'm putting my money on Almirola this year as my underdog driver. When it comes to Kyle Busch, though, there's a very good possibility of him. Doing- that this year, especially because Vegas is on the list of tracks that are are part of this playoffs. I'm just not into seeing the kind of consistency that I saw last year. And I'm kind of with you there. And it's interesting. So I got to listen to his media session today. Listen to Kyle Busch. He was talking about how, you know, he was really excited for round one and three. He felt like those are very strong tracks for him. So I wouldn't put it past Kyle Busch to win at least one of these races in the first round. I know he hasn't won a race in 2020 yet, but don't put it past him to win one here in the in the playoffs and sneak into the, the second round. And then from there, it's just a matter of luck, right? We know that he runs well at Vegas, and if he could sneak another win in right there and get back-to-backs, you're in a really good position, and that's where it becomes a little bit of an upset party there, right? So, you know, with Kansas, Texas, and, and Martinsville, he felt confident in all three of those, and so it, it's just can Kyle Busch wreck the, the party for somebody else here? And I think that somebody else might be Logano this time around. So you're throwing a lot of somewhat familiar names. Yeah. One yeah. Uh, one that you did pose out there is Eric Amaral. And unfortunately, no Matt Benedetto at this time. He may be too far off the list. I was going to say, I love that guy. Great driver, wears his heart on his sleeve, and I think he's done a great job for the Wood Brothers. It's a shame that I think Chevy's got too much talent in the pipe for him to remain in the 21. Yeah. But uh, we can talk silly season later. I, I don't know if he's going to get to stay there. I th- hope he does. But Right now, I think it's either in the hands of, of Harvick or Hamlin. 
I'm here in Vegas. I see the NASCAR odds every day. I, I know where they're leaning. And I know the type of season that Harvick has had, especially. If he's not been winning, he's been out in front in almost every race. Yep. I want to say Chase had a pretty strong season. Right now, going in, he is fifth. So I see him as someone that can compete to the title. And I, I totally agree, but I, I guess I don't understand labeling him the dark horse here because even though he's on the outside looking in, I think he's got a lot of time and he's got two great tracks coming up. We know he's a decent plate track driver. We know he likes to win at road courses. So if he can make it through to the second round, he might be able to kick on into the third round as well. If he can just roll out some top five finishes here for the next two races, he's he's fine. He, he'll, he'll get in there because I, I have a feeling Kozlowski or Logano is going to push it too hard. Gee, what are the odds of that happening? <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, Sorry. So I've yeah. seen, so I've seen. But Chase Elliott, to me, is that type of very good driver, like you were saying, that top five finisher. You don't always see him at the top, but you see him in getting the thirds, the fourths, the fifths that get him in that position to go ahead and move on and into the next round. And that's all you need to do is just get to the next round get to the next round until that final round where you have a chance to go for the win. But I see him as someone that can make a big imprint if he gets going with his successful season so far. You know, it's it's funny. I, I feel like Chase kind of gets a little bit stronger in the playoff run here. So it's hard for me to call him an underdog right now. I have a feeling he might end up in the in the championship four for sure. But I don't want to make any guarantees right now. I want to say for sure Harvick and Hamlin are there. But if you get three winners in the third round, hey. Well, when yeah. all is said and done, before I ask you finally for your favorite, because I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. Gee, that's a stretch. There's two more individuals that are also being talked about who had a very good truncated season, say, and that was Ryan Blaney. Also as well, you're talking about Martin Truex Jr. So I don't know if you remember back in the day when I was running the Tripod Sports podcast, we would choose a NASCAR driver at the beginning of every season. I've kept that tradition going. Blaney's actually my driver this year, so I'm cautiously, you know, hoping and praying that we make it, you know, pretty far in the playoffs here, but I don't want to get my heart broken. But he has done an outstanding job in the 12 car. When he jumped from the 21 to the 12, his stock just just straight up, man. It's it's been outstanding to watch him develop in a, a top-level cup car, and especially after they did the crew chief shuffle at Penske this offseason. I think that's something that you'll start seeing a lot of the big teams start working into their plans over every three, four years or something is you start watching these crew chief changes happen. And it's great that a lot of these drivers feel comfortable with their crew chief. And we saw Jimmy and, and Chad work together for how many years, right? Before they finally split up. But there's something to be said about bouncing some of this talent around, right? You know, if, if you can move a crew chief over after three or four years and expose them to a driver who might be doing something slightly different, he might come up with a solution that makes your shop the winning shop because he's been able to see it two different ways or something. So, But having um, a fresh voice counts as well. I think that Blaney is in a wonderful position to grow, and I think that when Brad decides he's done with the sport, whether that's done with the sport or done with Penske, we'll see a few more resources flow to that 12 team, and especially when you kind of start realizing that the 22 and the 12 are the two moving forward from here we'll start to see a lot of the resources flow over to those two teams. But still, before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, we've got the playoffs coming out starting at Arlington. Again, I, I did the impossible stretch. Actually, was being facetious here of choosing Kevin Harvick as my favorite. So I want to go ahead and put you on the spot, my man, as our NASCAR expert. Denny Hamlin. 
There you go. Again, <laughs> and I'm I'm not just being contrarian. I'm not doing you know an opposite pit strategy here. I'm I'm just I really think he's been fantastic all year long. He's been hot lately, and it's 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 really been fun to watch him. I I wasn't a Denny Hamlin fan really till that Teeth Daytona 500 win. That was interesting. I thought that was a lot of you know character that he showed there, and so I've really kind of become a fan over the last little bit of time here. And I think he's really trending the right direction right now. The way he was talking about his team today. I didn't get to hear Harvick, but there's something to be said about somebody that just feels really confident. And he did, you know, allow for the exception there. He said, you know, we could get three winners in the in the third round that, that we didn't expect to have a win. And I get bumped out and it's just Kevin, you know. And so he's understanding that he still has to work hard. And the way he was talking about it, he, he was talking about he needs to be putting in, you know, 60 hour weeks, 65 hour weeks right now. Just, you know, prepping and getting ready. Uh, again, uh, Denny Helms also had a great year, and it wouldn't be such a stretch at all. So we're not actually going out on a limb when you choose Denny and I choose Kevin. So, I mean, it's not a stretch at all. These are one and two as far as in Vegas are concerned, as far as the favorites. So it is going to be very interesting to see. Uh, the races are upcoming, starting again at Darlington, going to Richmond, going to Bristol, second round, Vegas, Talladega, and Charlotte. Third round is Kansas, Texas, and Martinsville. And, of course, the championship not happening at Homestead this year, which I'm kind of liking, but it's happening in Phoenix. So we'll see what happens with NASCAR playoffs. My friend, it's been great talking to you about the NASCAR playoffs, but before we head on out, I want to give you the final word. So, please, the floor is yours. What do you have left to say before we head on out? Well, I just want to say thank you again, Gerald. Thanks uh, to you and the Pop Culture Cosmos family for bringing me back again. You know, I, I really do enjoy discussing this, and, you know, everybody can reach out to me. I am Castle FPV on Instagram and Twitter. FPV is first-person view, so, like, all my drone stuff that I do is, is – I haven't been posting a lot lately, but you're going to be seeing a ton here soon. I've been rebuilding some drones here, and I'm, I'm looking across my workbench, and it's I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm going to be back up in the air next week. we got a lot of videos coming. But other than that, man, I'm, I'm building websites, looking for you know a, more of a contract gig right now. I'm, I'm loving working at home. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun. I, I know as someone who does work from home as well, it's, it's a great pleasure to do so and be able to spend more time with the family because of it. I truly treasure it as well. It's one of those things I think I've undervalued for years is how much I would have enjoyed working at home. You know, and, and, and now that I've kind of been forced into it, I've, I've really loved it. So, I don't blame you a bit. Once again, it's Marcus De La Garza here to preview the NASCAR playoffs. If you have any questions for him, he just told you his Instagram, but you could also reach him through us at Pop Culture Cosmos. My friend, it's been great talking as always. Looking to get you back on the show for anything NASCAR or pop culture related right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much to John Wuxin, CEO of iArcade, for joining us on today's program. Also, directors Kimo Easterwood and Ron Cicero, directors of Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, The Ren and Stimpy Story. And, of course, our NASCAR expert, Marcus De La Garza, on today's show as well. We've got a lot of things to talk about when Josh returns for this Monday's Pop Culture Cosmos, including The Boys Season 2 so far. I think the first three episodes Plus also my thoughts on Mulan. How did Tenet do? How did that movie, plus Mulan, how did that do outside the United States? We're going to talk about that. Plus early thoughts on the Avengers video game. We're going to have some thoughts on that. Nintendo goes Mario crazy because they just dropped a surprise Nintendo Direct and it introduced a lot of upcoming things that are coming to the Mario universe 
coming up very soon. No Time to Die, the latest 007 trailer. That just dropped. I'm going to share some thoughts on that. Walmart Plus, their answer to Amazon Prime, they just debuted it for 98 bucks a year. So I want to go ahead and talk about that with Josh coming up later on on Monday's show. Robert Pattinson got the coronavirus, so the Batman had to be shut down. The Rock just announced that he just has gotten over the coronavirus. So all these things going on with the coronavirus, there's going to be so much to talk about, including hopefully some video game reviews on tap as well. And if anything else drops this weekend as far as the latest news and trends of pop culture, you know we're going to cover it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for myself, Gerald Glassford, it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the comedy stylings of Hugh for the Borg Collection. When I was part of the Borg Collective, my Borg wife was so fat, when she sat around the collective, uh, she sat around the collective. The Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.